0: I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open to the book of Psalms, we'll look today to Psalm 111 and 112 and glean truths from these scriptures concerning the righteous man and his reflection of God. First a word of prayer, and then we'll look into the scriptures together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time, and Lord, please bless the reading and preaching of thy word. In Jesus' name, and for Jesus' sake I pray, amen and amen. Psalms 111 and 112 stand separate, yet they are two stanzas in the same poem. They are two verses in the same song. They are two praises from the same heart, two psalms from the same pen. The latter psalm 112 is an answer to, or reflection to the prior psalm, 111. The subject of the psalm before us is the blessedness of the righteous man, and so it bears the same relation to the preceding which the moon does to the sun. For while the first declares the glory of God, the second speaks for the reflection of the divine brightness in men born from above. That is a quote from Charles Spurgeon, In his treasury of David. Psalm 111, verse 1 Praise ye the Lord! I will praise the Lord with my whole heart, in the assembly of the upright, and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Such is our God. Now look to Psalm 112, verse number 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Psalms 111 discusses the works of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. Psalm 112 discusses the works of the man who fears the Lord. Psalm 111, verse 9 Holy and reverend is His name. Thus it declares or mentions the holiness of God. Psalm 112, Blessed is the man. Therefore it mentions the happiness of the saint. And the Christian who would be happy should recognize and reflect the Lord who is holy. Psalm 111, verse 1, The assembly of the upright. Psalm 112, verse 2, The generation of the upright. Psalm 111, verse 3, the Lord's righteousness endures forever. Psalms 112, verses 3 and 9, the saint's righteousness endures forever. Psalm 111, verse 4, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Psalm 112, verse 4, the saint is gracious and full of compassion. Psalm 111, verse 7, the works of the Lord are verity and judgment. Psalm 112, verse 5, the saint guides his affairs with discretion. Psalm 111, verse 7 and 8 The commandments of the Lord are described and found worthy of praise and delight. Psalm 112, verse 1, The commandments of the Lord are greatly delighted in by the same. We could mention more, but I believe you see how these Psalms go together. They walk hand in hand. And so in Psalm 112, speaking of the righteous man and his reflection of the Lord, we see the words of the righteous man Praise, ye the Lord. The righteous man, his heart and his mouth is full of praise and adoration for the Lord. Continuing in verse 1 down through verse 3, we see the wisdom of the righteous man, his fear of the Lord. He fears the Lord and it produces holiness and happiness in heart and in life. It's a godly fear in which he holds the Lord in the highest regard. Do you fear the Lord, my brother? O sister, have you lost your fear of the Lord? Do you reverence God for who he is and for what he could do? But then his following of the Lord. He delighteth greatly in the Lord's commandments. Not only does he fear the Lord, but the fear causes him to follow after the Lord. He obeys the Lord his God. A fear of the Lord, a following of the Lord, but then his family comes into view. Verse 2, his seed. The psalm speaks of the seed of the righteous man, the generation of the righteous man, and just as God said of Abraham, those who are righteous will command their family to follow in the ways of God. Thus we see the words and the wisdom of the righteous man. Continuing in his wisdom, we see not only his fear, his following, his family, but his finances. Verse 3, wealth and riches shall be in his house. Now, I do not want you to forget the setting of this psalm. It is in the Old Testament, under that Old Covenant, with those material earthly blessings for the national chosen people of God, even the Israelites. But I do believe that we can find a principle within the Scripture that if we fear the Lord and we honor the Lord with all of our substance and give cheerfully and give sacrificially and recognize that we are simply stewards of all that we have, for it has been given to us from the Lord, and we are stewards of God's property with all that we have. And if we'll honor the Lord, then He will honor us, His finances. But then his foundation, verse 3, mentions his righteousness. What is it that this man stands upon? It is righteousness, not his own, but that which is of the Lord. And then his future, his righteousness endureth forever. His righteousness is going to endure forever. What a promise and what a future, because the Lord's righteousness shall endure forever. We see his words, we see his wisdom, but we see the walk of the righteous man. In verse 4, it is a walk of reliance. We see that he has light given him. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. Thank God for his light and thank God for light in the darkness. But then it's a walk of reflection. We find furthermore in verse 4, he is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. We are reflecting that gracious Righteous, compassionate nature of God, mentioned back in Psalm 111 and verse number 4. Then the work of the righteous man, verse 5. A good man showeth favor and lendeth, he will guide his affairs with discretion. But then we go on to the witness of the righteous man, verse 6. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. The name of the wicked shall rot. And the memory of the just, however, is blessed forever. Here we read that the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. What a witness. A righteous man, a righteous woman leaves when they leave this life. Then verses 7 through 9, we see the way of the righteous man. Verse 7. He has a heart of faith. Verse 8, he has a heart for fighting. Verse 9, he has a heart for finishing. The way of the righteous man involves the heart of the righteous man. It's mentioned twice in these three verses, and a man will always go in the direction of his heart. If we fix our hearts upon the world, then we will wander away from God and wind up in the wickedness of this world around us. Yet if we fix our heart upon the Lord and his word, his will, his way, then we will end up going in the right direction and find ourselves saturated with the word of God, completely in the center of God's will and walking on God's highway of holiness. So we discern the righteous man's way as we look at the direction of his heart. It is a heart of faith. Verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Are you trusting in the Lord? There's two aspects to the faith mentioned here. It is that of fully trusting and that of firmly trusting. To be fully trusting is to not be afraid of evil tidings. It is to have a Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 type of faith, where we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, leaning not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledging the Lord. But then to be firmly trusting is to have our hearts fixed, trusting in the Lord. But then also a heart of faith and a heart for fighting. Would to God we'd find some men and women, but primarily some men who will lead their families in the good fight of faith. We need to believe, oh yes, but we need to battle for the cause of Christ. We need to have a heart of faith, oh yes, but we need a heart for fighting. Verse number 8 says his heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. And so the heart that is fixed in verse 7 is now established in verse 8. The righteous man still on his course with a heart full of faith has a heart that's stout and strong for the battle. He's unafraid. He approaches the enemy without fear. He can walk onto the field of battle with courage, with calmness, with confidence. Why? For he knows the battle is the Lord's. But then he has a heart for finishing. Verse number nine, the righteous man starts down this way and wants to finish what he has started. His life is marked by kindness. His life is marked by righteousness and his life is marked by honor. Verse 9 says, He hath dispersed, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness endureth forever, His horn shall be exalted with honor. Let us who are Christians by the grace of God be generous, be giving, be gracious people willing to go the second mile and finish this fight and finish our course for the glory of God. But then, verse 10, we find a contrast between the wicked and the righteous man. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. I think of that place called hell here, as I consider the wicked seeing the righteous, grieved at the righteous, and gnashing with their teeth. This is the condition and conclusion of the wicked. They shall melt away and the desire of the wicked shall perish, under the wrath of God in hell and the lake of fire. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly, It is written. God's Word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley, at gmail.com and finally brethren pray for us